Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. I'm so blessed and privileged to be able to talk to you today again about this topic of forgiveness. And as we are concluding this series that's been four weeks now, we are talking today about the most difficult of Jesus' commands on forgiveness, and that is forgiving our enemies. And it's the one thing that really puts and stands Jesus apart from all other people who may have had a powerful influence in this world on others and their spirituality. I want you to think about Jesus as the one person who takes that standard that everyone talks about, which is loving your neighbor. And then Jesus says, I'm going to take it one step further and ask you to do something that only God would ask, and that is to love your enemies. Because that is exactly what God did. He loved us before we loved him. And we may not see ourselves as enemies of God, and we may not consider ourselves to be enemies of the Heavenly Father or Jesus himself, but the Bible says that God had to redeem us and gave us his son Jesus to do exactly that. And we were in rebellion against God, and we needed to be brought back and reconciled with him, brought back into a relationship with him. And as enemies of God, we needed to be restored into our rightful place as sons and daughters once again. He didn't want us living outside of his house. He didn't want us outside of his garden. He wanted to walk with us, talk with us. He wanted to meet with us. He wanted to be in relationship with us, and he didn't want anything to separate us from that. And so God wanted to remove that animosity that existed in our hearts, that rebellion of not wanting to do things according to God's way. We still rebel against God, and, and as we do, we can still consider ourselves to be at times uh, feeling like we are distanced from him, without even wanting that. We just want to do our thing. We want to go in our own direction. We want to make decisions the way that we best see fit. And following God's word sometimes puts us in a position where we are in opposition to God and therefore an enemy of God. Now, it's not what God wants and it's certainly not what we want. So for those of us who want to be in a right position and right standing before God, we want to do what Jesus asks us to do. But how are we going to do that if we are not helped in that by Jesus himself? And so let's start with this. In Matthew chapter 5 and in verse 43 and verse 44, it says, You have heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but you love your enemies. And I want you to bless those who curse you I want you to do good to those who hate you and to pray 
for those who spitefully use you and then persecute you. Now, Jesus takes it again to a whole new level. It's a brand new standard that he's establishing. It's a teaching that no one had heard before. And what Jesus does is that he takes the very teaching and the heart of, the, of, of that lesson from God and he explains it to all those that are wanting to live for God. And so Jesus taught what other religions do not. Jesus taught even what the religious of God thought that they were doing in a way that honored God. And Jesus says, hold on a second. I know that you are loving your neighbor, but I still see you hating your enemy. And so what I want you to do is I want you to love them instead. I want you to bless those who curse you. And I want you to do good to those who hate you. And I want you to pray for those who spitefully even use you and may even persecute you. Now, it's an incredible standard that he lays out for us. And we're going to get into how we can actually do this in just a few moments. But I want you to see that Jesus amplifies this teaching even in the Gospel of Luke. In chapter 6 and in verse 27 and 29, he says, But to those that are listening, this is what I say. I want you to love your enemies. I want you to do good to those that hate. I want you to bless those who curse you. And I want you to pray for those who mistreat you. And then he says, if someone slaps you on one cheek, then give them the other also. And if someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Now here, Jesus says, I'm going to show the world how different you are by giving you the power within you to do the things that you could never do on your own. In fact, this is so beyond you that it could only come from me to you. You can't do these things on your own, but what will show the world that you're truly a follower of Jesus, what will show the world that you are truly under the power and the influence of the Heavenly Father is this, is that you are able to do these things. So imagine if someone is truly your enemy and you are loving them. Imagine if that person hates you and you bless them. Imagine if that person curses you and you pray for them. That person mistreats you and you do good to them. That person slaps you on the cheek and then you offer the other also. Imagine if that person takes something that belongs to you and then you willingly give them something else for them to have. Who could do these things except someone who is completely under the influence of God, uh, under the power of this Holy Spirit, who's been changed and transformed into knowing and understanding that God is at work here, that God is going to do something powerful here, and that when we obey God's commands, the impossible can become possible, even in moments where we don't think we have it in us and we would be right because it wouldn't be more of us in us. It would be more of God that makes this possible. And so we ask the question, who are our enemies? And the Bible tells us through the very person of Jesus again that we won't have to look very far. Now, when you think of an enemy, you may think of someone who is most likely a stranger. But Jesus puts it this way. I want you to think of Matthew chapter 10, verse 36. He says, your worst enemies 
will be the members of your own family. And he talks about how in the same household, members of the same family can be one against the other. And now, a lot of us have experienced this, and, and we know exactly what it feels like to live in a home that's been divided, where a person whom you would see as a loved one could easily also become an enemy. I've heard this happening as a pastor over my many years of, of, of experience, how this has taken place in many families, where father against son and mother against daughter, siblings against one another, sometimes cousins and aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters, over and over again. Sometimes we don't have to look very far to see that the enemy is sometimes in our own home. And when this happens, it really creates the kind of division that Jesus said would happen at times because we would make a decision to follow Jesus. And so sometimes we would be in conflict with one another over matters of the faith. But at other times, it would be just simply because the person that we would least expect to stab us in the back or to take advantage of us or to somehow put us in a position where we would not have what is rightfully ours or just any other reason at all imagine that this could happen within the same house. Well, it happened between two brothers like Jacob and Esau. It happened even when Abraham and Lot had their first fight and went in different directions. And it turns out that Lot actually got closer and closer to the city of Sodom until the point he was living in it. God nonetheless still wanted to see these brothers reconciled and wanted to see an uncle and his nephew reconciled. And over and over again, even when there were conflicts in families like the story that I've just mentioned, God brought them back together. Now, I want you to realize that even today, as you find yourself in a battle maybe for unity and peace and harmony and a lack of conflict in your own household, that maybe this is a message that you really need to hear today because there are enemies in your own household, there are enemies in your own home, and there are things that are not made right, and, and you need this today more than anything. Well, let's continue, and I pray that that's what God does, is that he speaks to you today. Now, I want us to see that in Jeremiah 29.7, there's another important teaching, and it comes to us from the Old Testament. And it says to us, pray to the Lord for peace and prosperity where you are exiled. Because of it, prosper and, the, and then you too will prosper. The city will prosper and then you too will prosper. And where is it going to happen? It's going to happen in the very place where you are exiled. And so while our prosperity is often linked what we would believe to ourselves and our standing with God, in this passage it reminds us that our prosperity is also linked with our enemies. And, and this is very important because when I look at how God wants me to behave towards my enemy, he's saying, listen, if you want to prosper in your life, then your behavior towards your enemy also needs to change. And so this teaching actually emerges in the Old Testament, but now is, is then amplified in the New Testament through the person of Jesus. 
And what Jesus does is he says, this is how you were supposed to treat that enemy. When I ask you to pray for the peace of this city and its prosperity, here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to pray for those who are your captors, those who have taken you away from your homeland, who've taken you away from your family, who have brought you into exile, people who are using you and abusing you for their own prosperity. And so I want you to imagine that God is now speaking to the people and he's telling them, hey guys, this is what I want you to do. I want you now to pray for the peace and the prosperity of the city that you have been brought to out of your own city. So instead of being peace and prosperous, peaceful and prosperous in Jerusalem, I want you to pray for that peace and prosperity to happen uh, right here in Babylon. And, and here's the idea that God wants us to grasp, that when you have peace and prosperity in the city where you are, no matter what the circumstances, you're going to need to pray for the peace and the prosperity of your enemy to experience it. And so if God blesses the, the Babylonians, by virtue of that, he is also going to bless you. If God blesses your captors, he blesses you. Now you would think, well, that doesn't make any sense. God bless me and curse my captor. God bless me and bring me back to my city where I belong and curse this city. But God says, no, you don't understand. Wherever you are, that is where I want to bless. Whoever you're with, that's whom I want to bless. And if you can bless your enemy, then you understand how I have blessed you in a manner that you did not deserve because you too were once my enemy, but I have blessed you now and called you friend. I have saved you from yourself and I have saved you from judgment. I have delivered you and now I have lifted the curse from you and I am now blessing you. And if you can experience this in your life, then here's what I want you to do, is I want you to be my ambassador. I want you to be my example. I want you to be my true representation in this world of how you and I are able to do the same thing. We are able to bless. We are able to pray. We are able to see our enemies changed and transformed into friends. What a powerful, powerful message that God is delivering to us. Now, if we were to take this teaching and the verses that we've looked at today, and we've looked at four in particular, we would see that there were certain steps that were provided by Jesus. The steps to forgiving our enemies are right there. I remember one time growing up in my neighborhood, I was just a, a kid, maybe in grade four or, or five, and I got into an argument with uh, one of the kids on the block. And, and, uh, and I don't know what happened. I don't remember what it was about, but I do remember that I um, challenged him to a fight. And, and at first the guy didn't want to have anything to do with that, but I insisted and I gave him a time and and uh, told him to, to come back and we were going to fight. And we were going to fight in the park. And, and when, the, when, the, when the boy showed up, I was there ready to fight him. And in the background, there was um, his dad. He brought his father with him. His father never spoke to me. 
His father never said, hey, why do you want to beat up my son? Or, you know, what's going on here? But he was just standing in the background. And as he stood in the background, um, I, my heart changed. I could see his father, and I could see the son, and I could see that, that my attitude and, and what I had done there was wrong. So I said to, the, to, to that boy, I said, I want you to just stay here for a second. And, and I went back home, and I got a comic that I had gotten at church uh, that my parents were bringing me to as a kid. And it was the story of uh, the cross and the switchblade. And it was in comic book form. And then I, I sat down with this, with this boy, and, and then I said, can I tell you a story? And I, and, I, and, I, and I began to go through the comic with him. And the whole time that we went through the comic, the father just stood there and watched, making sure that I guess his son was okay and nothing would go wrong. As we went through this book, it changed me. I don't know if it did anything to the boy, but that moment changed me forever. That was actually the moment in which I began to just see things completely differently. Why? Because the father was always there in the background, not interfering, but allowing me to see who I was and how I could do things differently. Let me ask you something. When Jesus gives us these commands, do you see yourself being able to do them? You know, the Father being present is enough for us to be encouraged to live differently. But the presence of the Father does so much more through the person of Jesus that it gives us the power to go beyond our hate and beyond our anger and beyond our sense of justice and wanting revenge to being able to be a person who wants the peace and the prosperity, the blessing of our enemy. Now, in this story, that boy was my enemy. But what I didn't realize is that I was actually his. And so what we need to see is that God is saying, here are some steps that we all need to take. Now, you only can see outwards and you see who your enemies are, but you don't see that you're an enemy too. And this is how you need to be different. So the Bible says, the first thing I want you to do through the steps that Jesus gives us is that I want you to greet them. Now, that's what it means to turn the other cheek. It means that when you've been offended and when you've been hurt, when you've been slapped and insulted, when you've been hit, you go back and then you greet them and you offer them hello. You disarm your enemy. You give them what they least expect, and that is respect. God says, greet your enemy. The second thing he tells us is do good to them. Because behind your enemy, you need to see that the Father is right there. The hand of God is still upon you and upon these circumstances. And the Bible promises that he is going to bring good to your life. So believe that you can do good because God is going to do even greater good to you. The third is to refuse to speak evil of them. The Bible says that from the same mouth we can bless and we can curse. But what we have to make sure is that life instead of death, comes out of our mouth. And so we need to make sure that life proceeds from our mouth, that it's blessings and not cursing. When we bless with our mouth, God blesses us in return. 
when we bless with our words, we refuse to speak evil of people, here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna be able to forgive them and move past the offense. You're not gonna be able to forgive someone if you're always speaking evil of them. So God says, stop speaking evil, start praying for them. Stop going through the events and how you've been hurt and how they've offended you and all the reasons why you're right and they're wrong. Stop doing that, start praying for them and then you'll see that out of your mouth you will stop speaking evil, you will stop cursing, you will stop with the damnation and the judgment and the condemnation, you will stop with all of that and you will bring about change through blessing and prayer instead. Then he says, I want you to be generous towards them. Seek the blessing for them that you want God to do for you. In other words, they take your cloak, then you give them your shirt. You, why do you do that? You do that because everything belongs to God. You think God can't give you that and multiply? Isn't that exactly what he did to Job? Isn't that exactly what he promises to do with anything that we give to him? Isn't he the one who is able to take any talent and multiply it? Isn't he able to take the two and turn it into four and the five into ten? Isn't he able to take the harvest and take that harvest and be able to multiply it all the way up to a hundredfold? Isn't he able to bless not only you in this generation, but up to seven generations? Or would you prefer to be under the curse of seven generations instead? God is saying, don't you get it? If you are generous, then what you do is that you demonstrate clearly that I am the authoritative one in your life, that you believe in me and trust in me to be your peace and to be your prosperity. No one can take anything from you because all of it belongs to God. And God can bless you and multiply it in your life when you are generous towards your enemy. And the last thing he says is, I want you to just pray for them and I want you to bless them. And why would he say that? I believe it's because no one needs our prayers more than our enemies. And if we are truly about seeing people redeemed and we really care about people's lives being changed and we really want to see everyone come out from under the sway of the evil one and come under the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, then we are going to pray for everyone, including our enemies. We're going to pray that God changes and transforms their minds and their hearts. We're going to pray that God takes those enemies and turns them into friends. That's exactly what happened with the Apostle Paul, the greatest writer of the New Testament, the greatest apostle of the New Testament, it can be argued, was the greatest persecutor of the church. And you know, they didn't even want to let him in. When they were having church, they stopped him at the door and they said, we don't believe that God saved you. You've been our enemy. How could God save you? And Barnabas stood up for Paul and said, guys, if God saved us, he can save Paul. And why would we say that God did not save him? Why would we do that? Why would we be that kind of church? Why would we be that kind of follower of Jesus? That's not what God wants from us. And if it wasn't for Barnabas, and if it wasn't for his encouragement, we may never have had Paul be everything that God 
wanted him to be. Today, I believe that God can take our greatest enemy and turn them into his greatest work of redemption. And God can do that if you will allow him in your life right now. If he needs to, he can start in your home. He can start in your household. He can start with the people that you have the greatest difficulty in forgiving. Let's start right there. Father, thank you for this time together, for this message, for these verses, for the encouragement that you give us to live beyond our own abilities and capacity. And thank you for your spirit that allows us to take this teaching and to put it into practice. And Lord, as we take these steps and as we put them before you, we ask that you would help us with each one so that we can see the results of what it means to truly forgive our enemy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.